an Ironic Media production. Visit us at ironickmedia.com. All right, welcome back to the Stark Transformation Show. I'm your host, Amy Stark. If this podcast has been broadcasting healing vibes into your life, please follow on Apple and Spotify and leave a review. Your review helps other people find this podcast and the transformations continue. And don't forget to share this podcast with anyone you think will benefit. Let's heal together. Just know that you're not alone. Mm. You have a team of cosmic light and the universe is there. They're there to help you and you can listen to them. You can hear them and, and stay connect with them. But just don't forget to slow down from hectic life to listen to your own soul speaking and listen to your own universe team that's speaking to you and try to get your attention. Welcome to the Stark Transformation Show. I'm your host, Amy Stark. This show, I'll be sharing messages of hope, healing, and transformation. I'll teach you how to shift your mindset, conquer your fears, and become the best version of you. You'll hear incredible stories of transformation and about the extraordinary journey I've been on for well over a decade. My connection with energy is so strong, and I can't wait to share it with you. Let's get started. All right. Today on the podcast, I have Dr. Pavina Posang, and she is Dr. Sass's sister, FYI. She mm-hmm. also has led an incredible life, and I read her book, and I just felt like she is definitely somebody I would love to have on the podcast. She is a family physician who also offers energy medicine. You've actually completely switched from family medicine to energy medicine, correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah. And she also was a lieutenant, a colonel in the Air Force and joined at 44, which is amazing, but also grew up in Thailand. Your story is just so incredible. I can't wait to talk to you about it. You have so much wisdom and knowledge that you've gained from living in Thailand and growing up and then living in the U.S. And you have such a grateful, beautiful heart. And I'm excited to have this conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much. Welcome to the show. Hello to everyone too. (laughs) I'm so honored, excited to be here. Thank you for having me here. You're welcome. You moved from Thailand to the United States when you were a teenager, correct? Right. Yeah. So tell us what life was like for you in Thailand. You were under some serious circumstances and you were, you are the oldest of four, right? The second, second of the four. Oh, so right. My That's right. You have your older brother. Oldest, yes. right. That's right. So you took on a lot of responsibility as a female in the family. And yes. um, I would love to, to hear more about that. But also you had mentioned that you had a dark night of the soul when you were three. I just want to let everybody know her memory is incredible. When I was reading her book, I couldn't believe the memories that you had at such a young age, because like most of us don't have those memories probably before seven years of age or eight years of age, but you seem to remember Mm -hmm. everything. (laughs) So I'd love to hear (laughs) about what life was like as a three-year-old. I remember, I mean, you were talking about your mom working so hard and you staying up late waiting for her to come home at the top of the stairs and she would bring you like your favorite snacks and stuff. So I just, let's, let's get started about how, cause you're so resilient and your, your family, I mean, you have two 
doctors of pharmacy. Right. And then two family physicians. Correct. Right? And my brother, he's a family physician as well. Right. So you guys are so strong and so resilient and coming from, you. Uh, you know, Thailand and you were so poor and you, it was such a gift and an honor to be able to attend school. And you, you used to have to walk through the rice fields and, you know, you talked all about that. It was just amazing mm -hmm. hearing the, the detail about your early life, but tell us about your dark night of the soul at three. Cause I don't, I'm not so sure that I, saw, I, read, I read that in the book. I don't remember that. Actually, I, I was just thinking about that. It's not in the book, you know, but, but I was just thinking about that. And I kind of, oh, maybe that what happened to me, the dark night of the soul journey happened to me at three, you know, because I, before that, I remember everything in life, like, like a movie, like, you know, my, I was so close to my dad. He was, you know, put me on his shoulder and carry me around everywhere. I mean, one time from the memory, I guess at that time, you probably remember the train ride. And yes, we, we yes you were laying on. By that time. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. we had to take this train ride all the way up north to Chiang Mai. It's the second largest city of Thailand. And then when we got there, and then after a few weeks, my my dad followed us there, all four of us mom. And then when he came, I think it was a big argument. I remember the whole thing. I was standing between, you know, the the, the two people that I dearly love, my mom and my dad, and listened to the argument. And then I I kind of knew. Like I, I didn't, I didn't know that I was that little, but I, I feel like I was a bigger person, you know. I knew exactly what's gonna happen, so I, I was just there, and then I kind of listened to the whole thing until I feel asleep, and then I woke up in the morning. My dad was gone, you know. So mm. after that day, my memory was gone, totally disappeared from. I cannot even remember what happened. Probably for several months. Until I told Amy that I you know, grew up at that time, when we moved to live with our grandparents, next door was my grandmother's brother, I call him my great uncle, who was very spiritual. I mean, he passed away now. He was very spiritual. He wore a white. He kind of went into solitude and was there by himself, you know. And he did a lot of energy healing for the people around the city. And then, of course, people would come all over from Thailand to come and see him. And literally a lot of people, they have to set up tents outside his home. Oh, wow. And set up food so people can have food. And he would do energy healing in person from, like, you know, from early morning until dark. Wow. And but anyway, he took me in. I think he kind of sit me down. He kind of knew exactly. I think what was going on with me, you know, because he had a gift of seeing your past life, your future, what will happen to you, and all of that. It's interesting how our life is already being written mm -hmm. because everything he told me that okay, this time of your lifetime you will go through these life challenges, and this year you will go through these life challenges. And it kind of happened. I think with the healing from meditation, you know, a lot of people, a, a lot of little kids, when you get in trouble, you know, you, okay, go and, and sit in the corner, you know, time out, you know. My time out was meditation. <laughs> so he kind of set me there. And, and even though I have my eye closed, but my mind 
had thousands of thoughts and the worries and the pain and all of that still because I wasn't healed yet. Mm. And of course, he you know, he had a gift of, of healing your mind thinking too. So he keeps saying, why are you thinking about this? Why are you thinking about that? You need to quiet your mind so you can listen to your soul speak. Mm. And he keeps saying, okay, you are going through this and you, you, you're you not understanding this now, but one day you will understand. You are going through all this life training that is tough for you, but you sigh up for it. <laughs> he said, you, you, you are, you meant to go through all this. So just give yourself time to heal. And then of course, you know, he, he would touch my, my head, a blow puff of air to my head. And I suddenly just feel better, you know, that, that energy from him. And then it was also like, he called like light. It was the invisible light, like in a ball shape. He said, just open up your mouth and this is a ball of light that will help will help you heal. So I kind of you know opened up my mouth and I think that I swallowed the light and then I I kind of feel it kind of go to everywhere and my mind kind of slow down and then able to focus better and able to feel to feel better in my mind at that age, you know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so he he would find all kind of way to get me to meditate and he would purchase he purchased this you know how the the share to for the hair salon share that rotates mm-hmm. he purchased that and then set my little body you know on the <laughs> chair and he gently rotated and it was I think that motion kind of helped me kind of relax mm-hmm. and then how he you know he came up with technique to to calm down the mind of a three years old you know yeah, his story is incredible. You also had mentioned, I think in the book, he was the one that worked really, really hard for many, many years yeah, in, did. you know, moving physical, doing physical labor. And then all of a sudden, one day he, he discovered that he had this ability, right? Right. He, right. he was, he was awakened to, to do, to, to be a healer at that time. Yeah. So he went into meditation for years and learn how to use his gift of healing. And so he passed away in his eighties. Yeah, and, and that mm-hmm. was in the nineties, right? That in the nineties, I'm pretty good. I remember this. <laughs> Your story is so so fascinating. You grew up sleeping on dirt floors. You would walk miles to school as a young child. Mm-hmm. You got very proficient at math, and so then you were befriending all these people at school right. who were giving you a problem. Bullying. They were bullying me. So oh yeah, yeah, bullying you. Yeah, right. And then and then uh, we were just friends. joking before the podcast about how she defended her little sister, and I, at one point I had defended my little brother, <laughs> and we were both saying how surprised we were about how uh-huh. angry we got with these people. Right. And in the book, you're like, I'm so surprised I didn't get into trouble you know because mm-hmm. I actually I actually laughed out loud when I was reading it because <laughs> it, it, it was so unlike your spirit right <sighs> reading your book and and how grateful you are and how happy you were and how hard you worked and how you seem to follow the rules and then then all of a sudden you just you did this so it was, it was pretty funny very uncharacteristic just like myself um, at that time <laughs> so when you went to the United States you were a teenager correct Right. I started high school when I came. That was 1981. And that that was amazing. You know, one thing, thinking back at that time, my mom and my stepdad, my mom got remarried. So my mom and my stepdad were supposed to come to U.S., just the two of them. 
And then I was so sad, you know, I cried and I, I ran to my uncle said, uncle, uncle, here's bad thing going to happen to me again. My mom is leaving me, you know. And my uncle said, okay, calm down, child, you know, calm down. Start pack up. You are going, you know, he said, you are going. They're not going to go by themselves. And here in two weeks, I got a call from my aunt. They said, you better pack up everything, you know, went through and something. Actually, it was in my book, something happened. My aunt, she was a family physician. Okay. And it was, it was a big accident happened in West Virginia. She was in the middle of an accident, tried to save someone's life. And and her, you know, her clothes were all covered up with blood. And obviously she was in the news and then got into the governor at that time. And then, and then we got help, you know, from, and, and she wanted to bring all of us here. So suddenly we, we got help to come over. So it was just the universe trying to answer, I guess, my crying. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Yes. And when you arrived, you were staying at her clinic in, right. like in the back rooms. And I, I right. was like, wow, that's so amazing. <laughs> I mean, you you are you have such a resilient spirit all of your siblings seem to and your mom especially with her work ethic my goodness is she, is she still mm. with us is she still around she's just she's, she's still around right? wow. she's, she's about five minutes from me she's turning 80 next year oh okay yeah, yeah. She's, yeah. she's doing good yeah well that's mm. great to hear so once you you got settled into the united states and you started taking classes at, at high school you had very limited knowledge of english but one of the things that you mentioned in your book that I thought was so beautiful was how how grateful you were that you had an English teacher that would teach you on the weekends and after school and, and how grateful mm-hmm. you are for the U.S. education system being free mm-hmm. and how, how you, were, you couldn't believe that a bus drove up and picked you uh-huh. up. I, mean, I just reading those things, you're like, yeah, wow, that is. I mean, I, I'm grateful that my son is picked up by a bus. I, mm-hmm. I certainly am because my actually my twin sister's kids aren't. And it's a big pain in the butt for her. But, you know, just that the how, how magical it seemed to you, knowing your story mm-hmm. and how, how you walk so far to school and through mud and torrential rain and, you know, bad conditions, you know, essentially very hot. It's, it's just amazing that then all of a sudden here you are in high school being picked up on a bus and and then going to a school where education was free. It was just beautiful hearing that story. So, so one of the things that I, I kept loving about your story as well is how you always had goals that were seemingly hard to achieve, but you always achieved them. And so you just would set one goal and then the next. So one was to finish high school and Mm -hmm. then it was to finish college. And then it was, to become a physician, right? And then it was to join the Air Force. It was like, you always were so working so hard. So tell us more about how you really developed this resilient spirit, this spirit that just understands how to achieve what you want. I think I was meant to, you know, to grow through life a, a little bit tough as a young age. And then it kind of became my strength, you know. But of course, you know, when I grew up, I, I did not feel, I did not know that those were challenges, you know. They feel to me like uh, adventures of life, you know. Being able to live close to nature, you have scorpion running around. You sometimes you turn yeah, around, scorpion, you see yeah. a, a, like <laughs> yeah, a, you know, a this. king cobra snake, you know. Oh my <laughs> so, gosh! Oh, okay, I got to walk this way, you know. So it's and then you know our house, we didn't have fences. It's more like little trees that's kind of surrounding us, you know. 
maybe go doing all of that and had less, we became more creative. We made our own toys. We never had any toys. So I made my own kite. I drew my own doll, you know, like paper dolls. And and we made, you know, horses out from the like banana leaf, you know, the long banana leaf. Mm-hmm. I made my own gun out of like a, like a piece of wood and then used like a hot berries from the tree mm-hmm. as the you know, ammunition. <laughs> we, could, we could hurt somebody with that thing. <laughs> but anyway, you know, it. I don't know. I, I had fun growing up. Even though walking to school, I think it gave us like a, it was a meditation in a way, mm-hmm. you know, walk through the rice field and, and the rice field, if you, oh, oh, have anyone seen the rice field that have the walkway about maybe like a little bit less than a foot. So you have to, you know, you, you learn how to balance well, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and if the rain come down, then you, you really learn how to balance yourself or if you fall into the, you know, to the rice field, into the water and the mud, you have to go home or you just go to school like that. Because mm-hmm. a lot of time we have one uniform anyway. <laughs> so you need to go home, take a shower and walk again or just go to school like that and try to, you know, wash yourself at school and then get dry up and keep on going. But in Thailand, it's a bit tough because, you know, every grade that you go to, you have to pay for for everything there. So I remember my mom, she had probably four or five, maybe more jobs there. And we had a little place that grandma had on the first floor, on the bottom floor. She made like a, a center area of that home as I mean, she sold food and fruits and all that. And then one side, she made it into like a salon. She had like two chairs set up. And then another side, she made it like a place that she can sew. You know, she have like an antique looking a sewing machine there. And the back part of the store, she had like equipment to make to make like a silk flower. You know, she's oh wow. Had li- cut the literally cut like a cloth leaf and leaves to make like roses i mean she made beautiful flowers she painted you know um, all of them and then put all of them together at night she was a taxi driver mm-hmm. and then she saw life insurance and health insurance so like you you were mentioned you know i i, I worry about my mom even at a very young age you know when she not there at night i would sit up at the, the top of the stairway, just waiting for her to come home. And of course, she always bring me my favorite sweet karoti, like a, what is that, a crepes kind of, you know, sweet. Oh, okay. Have a little bit sugar in there and a little bit of milk. I would wait for her and that, you know, that sweet every night, you know. And then once my mom home, I was, you know, I was calm down enough to be able to fall asleep. And when I finished junior high school, I thought that my education would stop there because I, I just, it's just no way that my mom could work another job to send me to high school. So at that time, I said, okay, please, please. I know that it's, you know, God is there. I know you're watching me. Please do something that I really want to go to high school. So my dream was just, please, one day let me finish high school. Wow. So when all of that happened, when we, you know, when we got a chance to come to US and then, whoa. I didn't know that we didn't have to, you know, we didn't have to go to, I mean, we didn't have to pay for school here. And then, you know, we didn't have to try to find uniform, you know, money to buy uniform. And we didn't have to 
try to you know purchase a book you know and it was just everything was given to us and even the the bus came and it was just amazing i i just feel like i had a new life you know and so i kept on going and i just didn't stop <laughs> so one thing after another after another and then talking about building up you know small dreams i guess i keep dreaming i never stop dreaming and something always happened and before i came to us another aunt was very sick with cancer so i took care of her at home before she passed away you know i made a promise to her too is it auntie one day i want to become a nurse mm. so when i came here okay i finished high school i'm going to keep my promise So the last year of my high school, I attended like a nursing assistant technical school, and in preparation, I said, "Okay, I'm gonna head to college. I want to, you know, do nursing and be a registered nurse at that time." And of course, you know, I I didn't really, I guess I just keep on going. I don't feel that I have any limitation. I just feel that I must try, you know. If I don't try, I would not know what you know what would would happen. You know, so I had a mindset of okay, I'm just gonna do it, and I just knew that the universe will help me, will bring you know the right people, the right help, the right resources to help me. You know, as long as I have a determination and the decision, and I knew that the right decision is when I have. Uh, is the that eagerness, that inspiration? That's something that you really, really want bad enough. You know, when you want something bad enough, I know that the universe would answer. So here I show up at college, had no money, and wanted to go to school. That kind of brought back. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I said, okay, I'm here. You know, I want to go to school. I need you guys to help me. You know. Yeah, let me take a deep breath. <laughs> you brought back that. <laughs> yeah, no, um, you made it, and yeah. and, and said, then to read in your story that you were quickly then diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and, and lupus, uh, well, second lupus, year of right, college, yeah. second, second year of college, year of college and... right? Yeah, and and she has yeah. such a determined spirit that she was like, "Well, that doesn't work for yeah, me." So no, I'm that do my own path. No, yeah. In the book, you had mentioned that a black cloud surrounded you mm-hmm. the night before you found out that. You, mm-hmm. Well, I guess you got sick because after right. the black cloud, and then you found out that it was related to lupus. So that was interesting that you were seeing energy, and you saw energy as a mm-hmm. child as well, right? You saw right. spirits and things we, like that. Yeah, we kind of grew up that way. We thought that's kind of normal. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Uh... After that, you went and you started meditating and you healed yourself. Mm-hmm. I feel like that what happened because you know, like Amy said, when I was at the financial office, I said, "Any help, you know, that you have, let me know." You know, so I applied for everything. So luckily, I got you know not only financial aids and then the scholarship and everything. And then second year of college, that when when that one night I saw a black cloud, it just black smoke all over in my room. I said, "What is this?" You know. And then the next morning, I was really sick. Of course, I didn't tell anybody. I thought at that time, if I mentioned about black smoke and I got sick, people are gonna really thought that I was crazy and locked me up somewhere. <laughs> yeah. 
So the next morning, all my joints were swollen red. I couldn't, I could not walk. So I kind of stay in my, it was an apartment at that time. I was by myself. And then it took another day that I could kind of uh, slowly walk to try to get some help. And then I contacted my friends from college at that time. So they took me to uh, student health. And of course, at that time, I developed like a big rash, like a butterfly rash. And being in the medical field, that's really something that, you know, related to lupus, you know. Mm-hmm. So of course they did all those tests that came back normal. And then and then they said, okay, you got to go see rheumatologist. So, okay, I'll go see rheumatologist. And here we go. You know, rheumatologist said, this illness that you have will affect every organ. We need to start the treatment right away. You cannot handle any more stress of life, including school. You need to go home. You need to, you know get yourself out of this college. And of course they were calling my my aunt who was, at that time was a family physician in West Virginia. And, you know, just stop everything. I was doing a lot of sport to running and tennis at that time. So they said, I got to stop all of that, you know, and of course he scheduled me to come back. But I did not return to the appointment. <laughs> I said, of course, you know, my family called me and my mom called me and said, you got to come home. I said, mom, it is said I'm going to die. Let me die in college. You know, <laughs> I'm not coming home, you know. Yeah. So and and things always happen at the right moment, at the right time. And and at that time. For some reason, this little piece of paper that my great uncle, who was an energy healer in Thailand, he gave me, when I left Thailand, he said, one day I will need this. So I found it. For some reason, I just found it. It just kind of got stuck in the in the book somewhere. So I opened it up and I start reading. It was like a three or four lines of, you know, written in Sanskrit, like an old or language you know, from India. Mm-hmm. And then I started to meditate uh, every day. And, that, and then gradually I got better by myself, either going through all of that or something happened, or maybe the illness was supposed to get better by itself. I'm just really not sure. But, but until today, my lupus test still positive. I have no inflammation in my blood system, wow. which is good. <laughs> I'm just being blessed. Wow. That's amazing. Do you remember anything of those lines, what they were talking Mm-mm, about? No, yeah. it was, I was 20 years old, you know, and now I'm 56. So it was 26 years ago. And of course that piece of paper disappeared. I cannot even locate it anywhere. It just, it just came when I needed it, I think, you know. That's incredible. <laughs> so you were a family physician eventually, right? And you treated right. many of your patients and then you would sometimes offer some help, some support through energy right. medicine. Isn't that correct? Right. Yeah. How did that feel <laughs> to to be offering you know, that? I just, I recently, I mean, started energy medicine when I was awakened again from from life about three, three years ago now. But before though, I think I got so busy with, you know, after being a nurse and then went right back into medicine. And actually there was a story why I went into medicine too, because I got stuck in the middle of hurricane as a nurse trying to help a lot of patients there in Sumter, South Carolina, hurricane 
Hurricane Hugo, the eye of the hurricane passed over the town. So it affected the hospital. I was a traveling nurse at that time. I couldn't get a hope anybody. And I was taking care of so many patients, like two wings of patients. And then one person showed up that was helping me pass out the medicine and all that. It was in the dark and, and I lost one patient. It was, I feel so bad, the gentleman, I wasn't there when he, you know, when, when he took his last breath there, because I was just running everywhere and I tried to locate a physician and I could not. I said, you know, to my mind, one day I'm going to be a doctor. <laughs> I'm not going to wait for anybody, you know. So that's how how my next dream kind of built up on that moment in time, you know. So after that assignment, I took one more assignment to Kansas and then after that, I called the same school in West Virginia. I said, I want to go back to school to pre-med. And what is the next step? So I just went right back to school and, and then came out as you know, a family physician. And I practiced for several years in, in North Carolina and seeing a lot of patients. At that time, I think I lose a little bit touch with spirituality because I was so busy. I had my, I kind of worked like an old time physician. I had my own clinic and I also saw my patients. So early in the morning, I would go to the hospital, like, you know, like four or five in the morning and then come to the clinic you know, and see patients and then get called to the hospital. Someone have a heart attack, stroke, I'm running to the hospital and then come back to the clinic. At night, I went to a nursing home and stayed there until dark. And then weekend, I, I went to see patients at their homes because some of them could not come and see me. So wow. I did like minor surgery and, and all that, even in, in the home, you know. So life was just so hectic and busy. And, and until I think like the past few years, I was really awakened from you know from life to really go back to spirituality at that time it's probably not in my book it was a little dog that was lost that was lost in the cold in the cold winter and then my mom able to capture that little little dog there and he was so frightful and shakes and and something bad happened to him it seemed like he had a broken ribs or something but anyway i kept him at the house for seven months. Wait, who, who uh, was this? There was a little dog that was lost. Oh, a dog. Oh, right, okay. a little dog that was lost. So I slept on the floor, talked to that dog and kept him for like seven months. And a lot of things happened at that time. My phone started to play video by itself, talking about light worker and about a lady who's psychic in North Carolina, in, in Asheville. So I said, well, what is this going on here? And then I start to see, when I woke up, I start to see all these Egyptian kind of <laughs> letters, the like golden letters in my vision. It was just really weird thing happened at that time. Wow. So I called and spoke to her name, Frankie, in, in Asheville. So Frankie was trying to explain, I guess she had a gift of, you know, connecting to another, to the universe, you know. So she had a gift that she said, another side was trying to get a hold of you, you know, your the master, she called ascending master of the light, was trying to get a hold of you because you need to wake up to you know, start how to use energy 
to learn something different, you know, something new so you can help your patient. Mm. So she mentioned about, you know, may, maybe do Reiki or quantum touch and all of that. So I went ahead and and took, you know, Reiki up to master level Reiki. And I went to training in Florida with a quantum touch. And then I started to, you know, to incorporate that in my clinic. Okay, and of sorry. course, you know, the, my patients, when I first started, they said, oh, what is this thing, you know? So I had to very be be gentle. I just said, okay, I'm learning about energy medicine. And if you don't mind, let me reset your energy for you, you know? And people are more open to, to something like that. Right, well, just, with a doctor especially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, and of course the patient that I, you know, I have known for years, they, they were more open, I think, and, and trust me to do something right. like that. So I would, you know, at the end of the, the session, the, you know, the office visit, I would make time, you know, a couple of minutes, just reset the energy and I'd be surprised how, how it helped. Because mm-hmm. I really, I wrote down a lot of cases, how it helped, it helped the patient. A lot of time to like a teenager, you know, you know, teenager have a lot of challenges nowadays too. Mm-hmm. So it kind of help calm their mind and then kind of bring the anxiety down and people have chronic pain that seem to help as well. And, you know, older persons that, you know, lack of energy that, that seem to help as well. And I remember one gentleman that, had very severe diabetes and lost one of his legs and after energy healing and and he said, Talk to Paul Sang. For some reason I feel I still have my leg and I feel I want to get up and stand up quickly. And of course I didn't see him back until three months when he came back to fall up. And I said, do you, do you still feel like you have more energy like you said last time? He said, Yes, the energy lasts this long. So oh, it's, wow. it's it really helped him. So that's kind of open. I kind of started to do more energy healing. So I retired now from family medicine since last year. And I mostly, you know, all of us are connected by energy. And I'm mostly at home doing distance energy healing. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you and me, we connect by that energy. All of us, you know, in the whole universe connect, connects together as one light. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. <laughs> One of the things you had mentioned in your book was around how a positive mindset versus a negative mindset, you would see your patients healing faster when they mm-hmm. had a positive mindset versus the negative mindset or, you know, mm-hmm. a poor mindset, like mm-hmm. just, yeah. or victim mentality versus empowered, you know, you could mm-hmm. look at it th- those ways. So that was just interesting to hear a physician commenting on how mindset matters to your <laughs> overall health and your journey to healing yourself. I just want to quickly touch on the fact that, cause you kind of skimmed over it, how you at 44 decided to join the U S air force. Oh my goodness. It yeah. was fun. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. So uh, funny. Yeah. Like, so what made you decide to, at 44 to join the air forces? You know, me and my sister, you, Dr. Sass, you mm-hmm. met, yeah. we, we both kind of have that same mindset. We say, okay, we really appreciate every little things in life. When we we given such an opportunity that totally changed our life like this, we said, okay, one day I want to give back. I want to be in the military. And of course, I wrote that in my bucket list for the longest time. and just really didn't get a chance to do it until... (laughs) 
until I was 44. So I call. That's so funny. I call. I left the message for the recruiter for both Marine and Air Force. The reason I went to Air Force because they responded first. They called me <laughs> back first. And it was so funny. They, they asked me, okay, you know, you're 44. If you can run one and a half mile or if you can, you know, push up and if you can sit up, make sure that you're going to, you know, pass a physical or fitness test before you come. And they said, can you do all this? I said, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, <laughs> and of course, so funny. At the end of the conversation, I said, I said to my husband, I said, okay, Tommy, he said, Tommy, Tommy, can you tell me? I'm going to, I have not done push up in my whole life. You know, I, I, I was always active playing other sport. Can you tell me and see if I can make at least four? 40 push up in one minute. <laughs> and then he had a timer on and he said, Bovina, when are you going to come up? <laughs> and I said, Oh my goodness, Tommy, I cannot even do one push up. Mm. Okay, so I made a decision. Okay, between the patients, I would do 10 on the office desk between every patient. So it took a while. So I started to do push up on the floor and then, okay, I was to do in the forties and then in the fifties in a minute. So you can train your body if you yeah. oh, I want to do something bad. And at that time I was ready to go to officer trainings, what they call, they call a map, like a military exam before you get in. So I had to hold up this side that was saying over 40 and oh, everybody yeah, yeah. was done. <laughs> Everybody, no, it, all the candidates were done that were still there. They were doing EKG and all those stuff, you know. So, but so anyway. wait, hold on a second. I remember reading that, how you had to hold up a sign that said you were over 40. Over 40. Is it so right. that they would pay attention more to like your vital signs or something? Like, right. And then okay. the EKG orders for old people, you know. <laughs> and of course, when I went to officer training school, they asked me, okay, you may need a waiver. Do you want a waiver? So you don't have to, you know, go do heavy stuff because I guess they probably needed a physician in the military. Maybe they said, dude, they really want me to, to be able to pass. I said, no way. You know, I'm here to experience everything. You know, I'm, I'm not going to sit out and office. I want to do everything. Wow. But that's how I, I started. And it, it was fun. And of course, there was one thing I was thinking about it. I'm just so girly. You know, I have my hair curled and have long hair and makeup everywhere I go. When I went to the military, because, you know, you, you probably watched the I, uh, what's it? G.I. Jane. G.I. Jane movie. Yeah. I said, okay, I'm going to chop off all my hair. So I have like you know, two, three inches of hair left. And I went there without makeup, you know. And, and of course, you know, I have midway through the officer training. And of course, the squad and leader called me to the office. And at that time, I was a major, you know. And you know what he said? <laughs> he said, Major Posang. You got to look more presentable <laughs> because you know I had no makeup. My hair was everywhere. You know I thought, okay, this is normal. When you go into the military, you got to look bad. You know. <laughs> okay, I started to wear makeup some when doing the military. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's but funny. it was fun. It was fun. You also had an amazing mission to Peru where you were helping people at twelve thousand yes. feet. Which, was... by the way, if you've never been to twelve thousand feet. It's rough on your body and hard to breathe. Yeah, very hard. Yeah. And in fact, you know, I the last time I was at twelve thousand feet, I had been living at sea level and then went shortly after that up to twelve thousand uh -huh. feet. And oh my goodness. You basically for me, this is the way it was for me. I would take a step and I would have to stop. Yeah. And then breathe and then take another step mm -hmm. and stop. I was hiking at the time 
And I was like, this is insane. Like, this is so hard. So when I was reading your book and you were living at 12,000 feet and, you know, the physicians that you had brought along with you were having altitude sickness. I'm like, yeah, that's real. Mm -hmm. I've had altitude sickness at 9,000 feet, not 12,000 feet. Cause I, I came down from 12,000 feet cause mm -hmm. I was just hiking, but even at 9,000 feet, I was struggling. So in fact, I've recently, I just want to put this out there for anybody who is going to high altitude. I had heard that you can do a biohack, which is to donate blood before you're about to go up to go to high altitude. Cause it might help. So I think it might have. I think it might have helped. So I gave blood like two weeks or three weeks uh -huh. before I went up oh, to high did. altitude. So have you ever heard of that? No, not no. <laughs> you kind of. I thought you kind of need more blood because you need more oxygen, but may might be something different. Yeah, but we will gear to it more like acclimating slowly, but still, you know, some people couldn't. Yeah. Couldn't, so we try to stop along the 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 trip there to stay at the hotel just kind of acclimate slowly mm -hmm. but still some people still had that illnesses you know i mean the altitude sickness still yeah it's hard mm -hmm. that mission i i love how the universe worked with me because because i always all my life want to do a mission like that a friendly mission because, you know, even though I went into the military, everybody said, you will not hurt anybody. <laughs> I have never touched a gun yes. at all before I went to the military, you know. And I actually supposed to go to Afghanistan. And I had two weeks to try to learn how to shoot a gun. And of course, you know, I went there, every shot I made, I closed my eyes. <laughs> and I don't know, luckily, I, I, I shot expert. And I'm not sure it was a beginner luck or maybe the universe would do all the shooting for me. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I was ready because, you know, I, when I make up my mind to go in. So if it was my time to go and help out some way, I'm going, you know. Mm -hmm. But anyway, something happened there that with the with my paperwork was not done correctly or something was, it was just in my, I was at my call to go. So that, that deployment got the change to humanitarian mission instead wow. and something that I always wanted to do. So it was a friendly mission. Friendly mission, we went right. up yeah. to help you know, yeah. the local with the health and wellness up there. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that was divinely guided. I, yeah. I think so. I remember you mentioning uh, how your friend had come back from that Afghanistan mission and he still hasn't talked about it because of what right. it was a tough so, mission yeah, yeah it would have it's very mm -hmm. hard for people who are sensitive to witness certain things or be mm -hmm. around certain energy I mean I know my own energy is so sensitive that even watching stuff on tv because your mm -hmm. brain doesn't know the difference between something happening to you and what you're watching your mm -hmm. brain still tries to protect you. Mm -hmm. I'm very careful in those ways and gentle with myself. So yeah, I'm glad that you didn't go <laughs> because we need you doing <laughs> energy medicine on the planet and spreading such wisdom. Your book just over and over and over again, reaffirms not only resilience, but the power of loving yourself unconditionally and just going after your goals, no matter what. It was, it was really impressive to follow you on your journey and to hear about the key players, like your uncle and your husband, you know, supporting. I mean, I was just thinking about how difficult it was, like how you had to be separated from him because you were doing the living nurse or sorry, what are they? Oh, moving nurse? country nursing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, nursing, and, and he was taking school. care of your family while you were 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, such a resilient spirit and, and your sister, of course, I, I absolutely love speaking with her, Dr. Sass. So is there anything else you'd love to share with the audience about your journey and how you went from physician to energy medicine? Just never quit, you know, enjoy living life because you, you sigh up for everything you hear from. Just know that you're not alone. Mm. You have a team of cosmic light and the universe is there. They're there to help you and you can listen to them. You can hear them and, and stay connect with them. But just don't forget to slow down from hectic life to listen to your own soul speaking and listen to your own universe team that's speaking to you and try to get your attention. And, uh, and I know a lot of time I was so busy that they have to find so many, you know, what is it, so many un- unique ways to try to wake me up so that I can learn, so I can wake up to be connect with them so that they help me to, you know, to guide me on the right path. I mean, sometimes if we not stay connected, we will probably get to our destiny, but sometimes that may take us a little bit longer, but it's okay too. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. we go off our road to another road that we learn different things in life and that still become our strength, you know, so whatever happened that, that we feel it was bad luck, it wasn't bad luck. Just feel that those are your lesson in life that will give you so strength so that you can go on and become the better version of you so you can go on and help more people in the universe because all of us connect you know we connect it with each other as one light we have to remember that when someone fall we got to help them mm-hmm. lift them up rise them up because our lights connect to each other like i always say Whatever happened to me, to my light, will affect the whole universe. Same as your beautiful lights too. Whatever happened to you, it will affect all of us. Affect me, affect your loved ones and all your friends too. So you got to take good care of yourself and always leave your beautiful light and see everybody else out there as a beautiful light. I know sometimes self-love and self-worth, Amy, talk those are so important to be happy in life. Sometimes it do take quite a bit of life journey to wake up to that as well, that you got to love yourself. You got to understand your magnificent self, your, your beautiful light before you can help heal other people. And even though, you know, at this time, I'm still learning a lot about life and a lot more to learn. I had to be awakened to self-love and self-worth in a tough way too. And I don't know, Amy, remember when I started dating in college for the first time, I think I gave all my heart to that cute, sweet boy in college, you know, and all of us younger probably have done something like that. And I really did not hold any love for myself at all. So, you know, after three years of dating him and we were, getting, uh, talking a lot about getting married. He was from India and we were graduating and found out on my graduation from nursing at that time when his family came from India that he was arranged to be married in India. My heart was so broken. So I had to learn from that tough journey how to, you know, how to start loving my own self and know myself worth that knowing that 
myself and yourself too can be a whole person, a whole spirit. And you do not need anything else to be happy, to be joyful, to be magnificent, to be limitless. So I hope my story in Whispering of the Light, which is my book, will help someone out there. Believe it or not, because I, I still learn English too. And, you know, some people told me, I don't think you should be writing a book since you, you are using English as a second language, you know? So I said, no, I am not writing an English book. I'm writing my message. If my message can be out there to help one person live a better life and awaken early and have more beautiful days, that is my success, you know? Yeah, I did not find your book hard to read at all. That's interesting that somebody would say Thank that to you. you. It was, uh, it was fine. It was, it was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah. I actually started reading your book and immediately was talking to somebody and said, you need to read this. Oh, <laughs> like I was like, read you. the, you know, and then I started reading some of the lines. It's just the way you say things and your sister, both of you are just, I don't really like to say the word enlightened. I, I truly, I think that it's just, it's all a journey to waking up. Like you said, so much wisdom in your words, Thank both you. of you. You're be such beautiful lights in this world. I definitely recommend your book, Whisperings of the Light. And I'm grateful that you wrote it. Now that I realize it, it is your second language and that, that you wrote it. So what, what an amazing journey going from Thailand to the United States and all of the things that you accomplished here are just incredible and there. So thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for having me here. I feel really honored to be with you guys here, but leave your beautiful light yes. always. And if anybody wants to reach out to her for energy healing, you have a website that they can sign up for energy healing sessions or energy medicine sessions. Right. Uh, so the the website is posangenergymedicine.com. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So thank you for being on the show. You're a beautiful. Thank you so world. much. And good luck, you guys. Good luck, Amy. Good luck too. <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you, you for being a light bringer yourself as well. Oh, thank, <laughs> thank, you. thank you. If you love today's podcast, you're going to love the UR Energy course. I'm going to drop the link below so you can pick up that course. I go much more in depth about the science behind healing and I share the tools and techniques that I use every single day to help my body heal. All content provided by Amy Stark and or her guests on the Stark Transformation Show website or other platforms, including text, images, audio, or other formats, are created for informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of a physician or qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition. Amy Stark is not a doctor or a therapist.